0: You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. Hello, everyone. I know you've been waiting for a very long time to be involved with all of the amazing things that we're doing at Rare Drop, and now is the time. We are introducing the Rare Drop Patreon. So if you've ever wanted to get involved with experimental content or being at any of our podcasts early to listen in, well, all of that is available in the new Rare Drop Patreon. Check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Broman Podcast 100, episode 131, which is a lot of episodes. Uh, Today, I'm joined by David Parker, founder of Beyond the Summit, uh, who also has a bunch of other title attachments that would probably take me uh, a long time to read. Very, very excited to have you joining us today. Uh, I guess just to kick things off, we were talking a little bit in the beginning. Uh, you know what? I don't want to skip over this. For anybody who doesn't know who you are, who might be listening to this the first time, why don't you let everybody know, like, oh, here, this is who I am.
1: Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, firstly. Um, 131's a lot of episodes. I'm impressed you've stuck with that long. Um, I'm I'm David Parker. Uh, I go by the alias of gods in the Dota world. I'm a Dota commentator, or the founder of a... Uh, commentating studio called beyond the summit that kind of became a full production house um over the years we're just an esports events company we run events we broadcast events we work with tournament organizers to you know put on shows for their events so we we kind of do everything when it comes to esports in a lot of ways
0: that is that is a sizable amount of things uh we were talking a little bit beforehand about producing and like like production and producing events but uh one of the things that I'm I'm super curious about is your name your name and 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 uh, you know beyond the sum is a very well known um esports name period for production for you know all of the things that you've been doing for so long what was it like in the very beginning when you were sort of like this was a passion project you're trying to make something happen for for things that you care about trying to build things into the esports space when like there there's no infrastructure there like everything is just it's just like a big empty void and you're like all right well how would i do this because there's nothing here like i'm really curious about kind of navigating that first year or two
1: yeah i mean our first year back in i guess 2012 technically and then 2013 um i started the company with a good friend of mine also dave david gorman um we you know, neither of us had any experience running companies. Uh, He had an IT background, I had a background working in restaurants. So, you know, if you Ah. want me to make you a cocktail, I could have done that. But uh, (laughs) when it came to running a business, um, and working in broadcasting the esports industry, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were, I think, like many, you know, streamers broadcast at the time, just kind of figuring out as we went, you know, we made it made a twitch channel and we both had this huge love and passion for the game dota 2 at the time we just wanted to um you know i think really be in that scene like we found a home we found this place that really welcomed us and it never really felt like work at any point it's one of those things where you're just like we were probably you know technically working like seven days a week 10 to 12 hours a day but at no point did ever really feel that way it just felt like man we keep on growing like we keep seeing our viewership go up um you know we don't know what we're doing. One day you're doing one thing, the next day the whole scene's changing, you're doing something completely different because, like you say, there was no infrastructure back then. So, like, you know, suddenly the way you stream is completely changed on a day-to-day basis. The technology changes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, okay, so so you... So just, like, I, I'm, I'm like, I wrote down the date when you got started, and so now I'm thinking, every time I had... Every time Twitch made a dramatic change, how hard it was for me to manage that and then, you know, at that point... So I'm thinking, like... I'm thinking, like, uh, when they introduced latency for the first time, you know, and things like that. Like, what what was it like when Twitch would make some of those big changes and you have... You have, like, at that point, I feel like it would be, like, what, 2014 or 2015. So you have... You, you would have more of that infrastructure built out. How did you absorb that, like, challenge?
1: Um, You know, it was always a matter of, like, okay... We usually had very kind of janky solutions anyways for like let's say whether it was stream delay or something else. Like we we had we didn't have a full production team. We were most of the time doing our own production. It wasn't yeah. um until I think it was 2014 we hired our first full time producer to work with us. We were at that point we were still we were broadcasting <laughs> and working from the house we lived in. So there was five guys, big house, next to our kitchen where there was this like big kind of cut out living room area. We just set up a studio um so one of the guys who lived with us was our full-time producer everything was yeah super janky we kind of had this you know we didn't we were learning as we went david gorman my uh, business partner had a much better understanding of the production stuff than i did um and every time you know yeah twitch would release something new or we have to change what we do it was very much just like a okay let's just rejig everything so that it works in a totally new way um i mean usually the stuff twitch was adding meant that like generally was was helpful for us. It just meant that our weird workaround solutions were no longer needed. And it was like almost a point of pride that we, you know, you'd find a way to make something work and then you'd no longer need it. It's like, well, we don't need to do it anymore. It felt good that we figured out a way to solve this problem, but now it's, you know, it's fixed on Twitch's end, for example. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I'm, I'm remembering all of the moments where I, where, over the past like decade where twitch or someone's rolled out like a little piece of technology and everyone's like oh that's neat and then i i'm like in the corner of my office crying because it's so beautiful like i can't believe i don't have to like route five audio sources into one thing anymore like oh yeah like the the as as the space has gotten more attention like the uh the things necessary to produce is definitely like dramatic like the what you need to get going is like so much simpler and and everything's built
1: yeah and there's tutorials like there's youtube channels that say like hey this is get x y and z and you're plug it in like this and you're good to go you're a streamer now like that that didn't exist um you know five to seven years ago
0: no it was like go on a forum it felt very much like the same way that you used to find out like secrets about video games when like one kid in your school had nintendo power and it was like you'd be like hey how does this work and everybody's just oh, like DMing sure. back and forth and you're like you got to set your bitrate to this and you're like what the fuck is a bitrate um yeah. you had to when i started streaming i was like oh it's easy you just set it up and there was so much crap to learn and then you you learn all of it and then suddenly it becomes simpler what was it like um what was it like taking that that co- that whole process and while you're doing that, like growing the the backbone of of being able to produce as many events that you do right now, like what what led to that growth and how did you like pick the right people, I guess, or, or what did you notice along the way? Like, oh, we should hire for this role than this one or this one, because what we've found at Rare Drop is that sometimes you might expect a certain trajectory, but you end up revealing like oh wow we can't go there yet we need to we need to like stop here and here first so like what what was that process like
1: yeah um no that's a great question i think our experience sounds very similar to what you had at Drop where we we didn't when we started the company it was very much just about being a one game commentating studio um Mm -hmm. we were just focused on the one game dota 2 um we were not so much focused on running our own events even we're more a you know, a broadcast partner for events that were running in Asia, in uh Eastern Europe where they did they weren't English speaking tournament organizers, so they needed an English partner. So they would come to us to provide the English broadcast. But you know, I think over time we realized like the real I think long term goal for us is to be able to run our own events. We thought we could run better events or at least events that engage fans better. That was kind of how we came up with the summit series, which is like where we put all the, brought all the players into our house, ran a tournament from our house. Now it's kind of our studio with that kind of house vibe to it. Um, And I think where we learned is that, you know, running events and creating new unique content, like that was like one of the most exciting, thrilling things for us. So we learned to kind of slowly grow and kind of transition away from being this casting studio townhouse, like, when we were like a small company with five to six people, most of that was just broadcasting talent. Nowadays we have around 25 to 30 people, almost none of the, basically only a couple of our full-time staff are doing any on-air broadcasting work. Most of the people are doing behind the scenes work with production, with creative content, uh, project management, graphics, et cetera. So um, we really pivoted into becoming this uh, production house, running the events. and a big part of it is kind of what you mentioned where it's about hiring the right people. Um, having, you know, we were a small company, we couldn't afford to go out and like hire the best, you know, production manager who's worked on these crazy big TV shows out there and command some, you know, crazy, you know, big six figure salary. We're, you know, we're a small esports company that had four or five employees at the time. So we're just hiring the right people who we knew who would work hard, who were willing to learn with us. Um, and who really, you know, stuck around to help grow the company. That was I mean, that that's always been the big thing. I think what we do is something that anyone can do. The reason we're successful, I think, is the people. I think the people our company is where the real value with BTS is. Um and that I mean, there's no like for us the secret sauce is just having the right people um around you. I
0: that was a that was such a good answer. Um it it really is you know, I find it to be super fun when you look at it like yeah. Like you have this obvious challenge of, boy, I wish I could hire the perfect person for this job, but there's just, you know, there's just no way it can happen. But then finding, you know, talented, passionate people who are also like, I know I can do this, but I may not have, you know, this, you know, giant production, you know, resume behind it because you can, you could see other things. And one of the, one of the things that I've really enjoyed, um, Especially when you're talking about creative, which so much creative has to go into any event. And I I would love to talk about that next. Um, But especially when it comes to creative, finding people that that really are a part of the space that are kind of looking for more that are looking to 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 set it, you know, set out and say, like, I want to try and do this because there's so much that just didn't exist before so this idea that you could be a motion graphics artist that specialized in alert design and that could be your full-time freelancing job, that's, like, absurd 10 years ago. Uh, but now everybody needs to hire that guy uh, uh, or, or girl. And we need, you know, you need full suites of people that can do graphic design, motion graphic design. And then, like, even, I mean, when it comes to live events, like building out booths and planning that stuff. So, um going further into the creative side how how shocking was it for you when you went in to do like the first full production of an event when you were like oh my god i have to make so much stuff
1: uh <laughs> or was that like baked um, in in
0: a slow was it like a slow cook on that where you're like it's warm in here but we're used to it
1: i no it was i think it was i mean it was basically the night before i think we were just totally in over our heads um mm back in 2014 we ran our first live event where you know we're flying in TV. this is the first dota summit we ran so we flew in i think it was six teams from around the world um you know one, one or two from china one from europe a couple from america just teams from all over they've been playing you know big tournaments that like esl's DreamHacks have run you know for the most part pretty polished events in front of fans and all that so you know they have a certain expectation for quality events and we had no idea what the hell we were doing. <laughs> um, you know, we were just like, we, we do productions all the time from our studio. What's the difference? We'll just, you know, we empty it out. We we basically create these playing booths, which are our bedrooms. Um, I mean, that's that that was the that that part was fine. But the technical stuff and setting everything up in time, being ready for an event, plus all the shit that goes wrong. That you know, we're like, we've done thousands of broadcasts. It goes smoothly. Live events, it never goes smoothly. Um, so, night before, I think I had one or two hours of sleep. David who I work with he did not sleep for a single minute. He was doing like he was doing cable runs and wiring until basically 30 minutes before the show went live. He was doing cable runs. It was zero testing. It was absolute madness, chaos. I don't know how the event that's you know there were points where I don't think we're the, we, we even thought the event was going to be pulled off. Um and the the great thing is the viewers never realize how whether <laughs> an event goes they don't. They, they never know how stressful or crazy the lead-up to event is being because that could, have, like, probably, like you know, a few summers later, we got a lot better and it was a lot smoother. And the product kind of at times looks the same because once you're live on air, it's like, okay, we're on air now. Let's uh, you know, let's focus on entertaining, and then you yeah. get distracted from all the problems. You just do the best you can to improvise, entertain people. So that first event was uh, one of one of the most challenging things I think we've ever done as a company.
0: That sounds. Um, obviously like in hindsight it sounds so reasonable right when you're like oh I've done so many streams because we had I personally had the exact same experience when we were putting together the charity marathon I was like it's great I just get everybody to sign up on this little sheet and then they're going to show up on time okay that's very that's a very naive assumption of you (laughs) uh ben so you know like we we set up the schedule it's 42 different creators and it's running 24 hours i didn't sleep for the whole week i had shifts i would do two hours. i would sleep the two hours and then i would be awake for the two hours it was like the transition and then i would go back to bed um and because we were passing around stream keys which we thought would be easy but like ended up being hard too like and then uh and then, of course, we had like no backup if somebody had a personal incident like if if one of the broadcasters got into uh you know a car wreck, we didn't have any coverage for them uh thankfully, no one was injured, but like we 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 ran into so many problems because there was there was just the assumption that like everybody does this, so it should be easy to do together. Or we've done this so many times <clears throat> that it can't really be that different. But then you, you get into it and you're like, wow, I don't I didn't realize how much time I actually put into setting up my broadcast because you do it like 15 minutes a day every day over the course of like years. So going up from scratch is like it's nuts. And uh, and that and that doesn't even include trying and that's just on the personal streamer side, right? Like that doesn't include trying to like incorporate a brand into all of that. Mm. So, you know, like for me, it's like, oh yeah, I just changed these things and these things. So I, I guess my question is with, with all of, you know, all of that stuff changing and all those challenges, what was it, um, what was it that you ended up kind of prioritizing as you, as you grew Obviously, you said like once everybody's on camera, the focus is entertainment. But and I I totally understand that, right? Like every technical problem becomes a joke. Like I could once you're live, right? Like once you're live, it doesn't matter. You have to you just have to laugh at it. So I, I guess the I guess my my yeah, this is just another like behind the scenes question. So from that experience, like what was your big takeaway that you you said okay these are the things we need to fix so the sure. next time it's like next time people can sleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah know?
1: um i mean i i think a lot of that boiled down for that i mean for that specific event it was just about um i think having more more staff on hand being more more prepared i think it was very much just like you know it was like we we're trying to learn how to swim by just jumping in the deep end thinking we could figure it out it's like you know it's it's not going to work like basically we realized we had to take the necessary kind of baby steps planning to get us to a point where we could do a smooth event um you know i think a lot of the i mean and this is something we weren't even necessarily good at we're still learning even learning today is just having the right um processes to run a smooth event like there's you know a lot of mundane stuff you have to do a lot of meetings a lot of spreadsheets you know there's just countless um quote unquote boring behind-the-scenes stuff that you just kind of have to, you know, you just have to, you know, tick all your check boxes, dot your I's, cross your T's, and then you can have a smooth event. Um, And I think going from there, event to event, it was just about creating, you know, proper documentation of how we want to do stuff, or having proper, you know, post-event kind of meetings where it's like, okay, what went well, what didn't go well, what do we need to fix for next time, and then really documenting everything, so to kind of give a boring answer it was just a, a lot of meetings and a lot of paperwork meant a uh, future events went went smoother i would say yeah that's 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 a that, no i think that's a great answer right like uh that's the
0: um that's the thing when you're putting together something like this especially if it's if it's from a place where you have like uh lots of experience like if you're used to broadcasting you think like oh this this was my mistake i thought Oh, like this is this is an easy knowledge transfer because I picked this up personally really quick, uh, but then when you try to break out the systems that you're used to doing, whether it comes to like broadcasting or production or whatever, suddenly you realize, oh, a- actually, like most people don't know this, or that, or that like we actually need to approach this in a particular way or a different way. Um, did you did you find it difficult to sort of translate all of those ideas that you had about how things? we're going to work into like actionable stuff for the folks that were, were working with you as you were getting started
1: um i difficult maybe just because we didn't have all the knowledge and you know experience or education we needed but i don't think it ever felt like you know we've met ro- met roadblocks that we could get past because i think generally we were so passionate and sure about our ideas that we're, we were willing to find ways to make you know whether it was a content piece or just a broadcast in general worked the way we wanted to work like we had this very specific idea for what we thought would make the most entertaining broadcast for viewers for um, a community where we you know the whole idea of not having them the players playing in front of a crowd but putting them in this kind of you know homey environment where they can show their personalities they were the ones often commentating would put them on the on the stream to showcase their personalities and you know we believed in this idea that this was a totally unique different way to do a broadcast that we were going to find a way to make it work um i think you know some of the technical and event related obstacles we've met we it was more about you know well we were we were always going to just keep pushing forward and finding a way to make it work you know regardless of um um i guess what problems we face and i think the best thing was that all the people we had on board all the staff all shared that same passion and that same kind of um Feeling towards making these events happen, and I think that's why we've been successful. Successful when we went to other games, like we did CS:GO events, we do Smash events. Is that there's always people who are working on these projects, who the basically the people in charge of them, who were really passionate about those scenes, about those games. We're, our worst events are probably the ones we're doing for games that we just we we're no, we don't know as much about, or that mm. we don't have that same passion for. So, I think over the years we have found like let's run events and stick to games that you know we understand and that we're going to have the you know the best motivation to do well at
0: the game the game knowledge has so much to do with how you produce an event um like it yeah it's such it's such a i'm so glad that you highlighted that because when <clears throat> when you do something in one space for a lot you just kind of you have these assumptions that it'll be easy to transfer knowledge out but there's uh and we've been learning this recently as we're doing some more production for like uh enhl events and and a lot more like sports sim events is that you want to present that game that information those broadcasters the dialogue about the game like when do you jump in with commentary like everything is so different based off of how the game flows naturally um and then especially uh, you know when they're when you're playing in games or if there's competitions and there's you know no spectator mode or there's no other ways to sort of like sit back and really observe the whole scene, you have to invent a way to try and keep people informed and it can be it can be super difficult. What what would you say um as you were finding a way through all of this, like what I have so many questions, but I'm trying to I'm trying to focus this into like one one singular point. So when you were fine when you were finding a way forward and you were starting to produce events with with different communities that you weren't you're like okay this is new for me or that's new for me what what was it about those communities that made you feel like yes like this is a this is a great group of people to work with you know because i'm i'm sure you had a a gargantuan number of emails like hey will you produce our event because once people see that you're an expert at something they they really want you to be involved so i'm i'm curious what led to you know you picking the communities that you ended up working with especially in the beginning because i know sure. that those first choices are so crucial um to the evolution of your company right
1: yeah so the yeah the first game we went into um from dota was was super smash brothers and um i think you know i've always been a dota guy but to this day like i think smash is one of the best communities out there it is just so and just an amazing game in esports. i've never really touch the game, I just watch it and follow the scene, but there's so many great personalities and the community itself was um, you know, I think in general, most new communities we went into, especially, you know, before Smash being our first one, they were very, you know, unsure about who we were, whether we were just, you know, someone coming in trying to make some money off the scene um, or, you know, having bad intentions, whatever it may be, there's a lot of bad actors in the the gaming and esports space and people are very aware of that and question any kind of newcomers often, so we kind of had to prove ourselves there I think it helped. We had multiple people on our team at that point who were really big into the Smash scene, who knew the players, who knew the scene, um, who knew which people to talk to to, you know, whether it was just run or admin a tournament. Um, and I think the biggest thing was like you run that first event and do something they've never seen before, and there the response you get from the Smash community was just like, you know, holy shit, this like w- w- we've been missing out. Like where, you know, obviously this is not a. You know, talk. I mean, talk ourselves up too much and talk down the other tos. I think other tos were doing something absolutely essential, and you know, running what was considered what a Smash event should be. You know, you have these big convention halls, you get a bunch of players in. You you know, your Evo style events, which are absolutely huge, massive tournaments. The you know, they're your Super Bowls of Smash, for example. But what we did was we really pushed the players and the personalities to a whole new level. We you know created this entirely unique. Um, way of showing smash players um, we really highlighted their personalities and the community response to that was just like so positive so supportive and i think that's something that made it incredibly rewarding for us because i think the more you run events the more longer you stay in one community you know that you lose that kind of magic where it's like their first time seeing an event that we run it's like oh my gosh this is amazing like yeah, you know, we recently did our first Rocket League event, I think a year and a half ago, and after doing the first one, you know, the next six months it felt like every time we'd go in the Rocket League, you know, subreddit people'd be like, you know, when's the next Beyond the Summit event gonna be? Like people just they keep asking for more, they keep wanting more, and I think that reaction is something that we're always striving for. Um and the I think the you know, the key where we found a lot of success is just we we don't come into a scene thinking we know better than them or that we're you know, we're gonna do things our way and it's going to be better than the events you have. It's very much like we work with the community. I think that's a mistake that other TOs make that, you know, we've kind of learned from is that involve the community, involve community figures. Like every time we go into a new game, new scene, we'll, we spend weeks and weeks, sometimes months just researching the scene, figuring out, you know, who are the commentators for this game? Who are the content who are the content creators? Who are the players the teams which people should we talk to about like let's say we wanted to create a funny skit around the game or some personalities like who should we talk to who do we basically we, we end up outsourcing a lot of the stuff we want to do for a new game because we just figure and assume people in that scene they know that scene better than we do so we're never going to come in and just assume we know everything and we can do everything better we you know we bring our experience our production expertise our ability to pull off you know pull off a smooth event but all the actual like creative and like the real juice and the the meat of the show come from the scene itself.
0: That's I love that answer so much um, it, because, because highlighting like highlighting the authenticity of, of the people that are there is really drives home one, like how special a game is like when you can understand why people care so much about what they're playing, you connect with the narratives, you connect with the game, you connect with the competition. And I, a, you've mentioned it like multiple times, but I think it's really, really interesting that that based off of like uh, the focus of the productions you've talked about is always about highlighting the player and highlighting who the player is and and you know, what makes them passionate about the game. And I, I I would have a hard time not also drawing the conclusion that you know because you all made that very different decision um, early on in the space that the way that things are covered now with Including the player, which was definitely not something that I saw super often in the beginning, as in a in a key part of the entire experience and elevating them and their conversation in the game as part of the entertainment, really kind of defined the way people approach stuff. Now, I mean, it seems like it's the default, but but it was an active choice that you were making.
1: Yeah, I think the uniqueness of what we're doing has definitely become, like you say, more common today. Now, like you see a lot of teams put a lot more effort into creating content around their players. I think five, six years ago, part of why in Dota, Smash, CS were so successful is because teams did a very um, poor job at marketing their players at times. They didn't create content around them. They didn't kind of highlight them as much as more about the team identity. So mm. I, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying that it's become so much more commonplace. And, you know, I, I'm sure that was partly influenced by the way we we ran our events and created content around these players.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that just, just, uh, just seeing, uh, folks talk in chat and, and conversations that I've heard from your events, like you have created iconic moments, like going back such a long time that people are still like, oh no, that was the best thing I ever saw. Or like, this is my favorite moment from, from esports. So it's, it, it is, it's really, it's really interesting that that, that drive to connect and feature the people that are super passionate about things ended up being such a, it's like such a like a core value of 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 what you all did in the beginning and i think it's yeah like it's def- a lot of people now make tons of content around it i forgot about that i forgot that esports teams and stuff it used to just be like don't say your name <laughs> like you're <laughs> like you know like you're repping this team um yeah and now and now it's like this every 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 player needs to be this their own multimedia experience and and empire on and of the in and of themselves which leads me to uh, another question as as the environment and the distribution of this content's kind of evolved and it's evolved a lot over seven years um like what i guess i have two questions one we've all done it like which platform were you like this is gonna this is gonna be great and then you're like oh crap because we i've definitely you know devoted too much time to like vine Uh, Or something that disappears. Uh, So I'm curious if you if there was any any experiences like that, because I think it's it's fun to learn and laugh. But also, you know, going forward. Like when you look at things like TikTok, when when Instagram first started becoming super important for for people to distribute content in gaming, which like when I started streaming, I I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do an Instagram. And everyone's like, you're an idiot. Don't do that. You know, gaming doesn't work there, you know, and now it's essential. TikTok's essential, and and even LinkedIn in some places is incredibly essential, even if you're a broadcaster. So what's been the guiding principle for you all when it comes to approaching newer forms of media and things like that?
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) The first part of the question, yeah, I probably got a couple one's a, one's a platform and one's a game title um, okay <laughs> which is kind of different but as soon as you talk about thinking something's going to be big and then it flopping the first thing that comes to mind i think for most of our company is going to be um artifact um oh, i don't know how, if you're familiar with that i've not heard game.
0: that name in a long time
1: yeah, yeah we were we were all in it. we thought artifact was going to be huge you know it's like valve was putting out a game you know valve they released quality products. And I think to give credit about Artifact was a quality product. They just didn't market it well. Um, they had a really bad, um, economic model within the game that basically pushed away a lot of players. But, you know, we, we were thinking Artifact was going to be our next big game to help be on the summit. You know, we hired a empl- we hired a new employee whose job was just being Artifact project manager. His entire job was to basically produce Artifact events, um, be a content creator and be a, um, behind the scenes producer for Artifact events. And, um, after six months, we basically had to, unfortunately, just stop doing anything artifact because the game just completely flopped. We, you know, we were so wow. sure that being a Valve title, and after all the, you know, success Valve team with Dota and CS:GO, that this would just be, you know, another. Even if it did, wasn't a home run, we just figured, you know, it's going to have a scene. It's going to be successful, and unfortunately, it just wasn't. So. So first of all,
0: that's awesome. And like thank you for sharing that. Like that's like you know, it's tough. It's I think I think sometimes it's tough to admit, like when like you hired for that position. Like that's that's like a really heavy level investment. And I think that it's really Yeah. I completely forgot about Artifact, but it's like the most reasonable thing in the world, right? Like Valve's making this, they made everything else, it makes sense, there's gonna be a community there. You know, we've definitely we've definitely tried tried that with some charity stuff like oh man this event will be great everyone will everyone will get on board and think it's fun and like no one shows up yeah. oh yeah. crap like what did I do um but but yeah so I definitely man that's that's tough so what do you what do you do after a moment like that like was it was it just like ouch or was was there like a moment where you felt like you needed to scrutinize your processes
1: no, I think, I mean, even today, I don't think there is any regrets about it. I think it was a great learning experience. It it allowed us, we basically created a new process. Like how do we get into a completely new game? Because before that, all the games we'd kind of gone into were already established eSports. So it was yeah. very much a, what do we do for a new game title? And where, you know, what is our place in a a scene that's just developing from nothing? And I think that was um, a challenge for us. It was something we learned from. I think we've always had our, most successful vets when there's already an established scene because I think we rely on there being some already established teams, personalities, content creators to work with and you know that didn't really exist so much in Artifact there was obviously a card game community a lot of whom were optimistic and you know trying to come over to Artifact so um you know I think at the time we we kind of knew it was a risk and we had we basically set this kind of 6 month window to kind of reevaluate is this successful do we want to keep going and that was when it was just like you know it's not going to work out for us. So um, I don't think there was any regrets about it. I was just, that's a awesome. uh, You know, living, I mean, we, we I think if new games come out that we're kind of gung ho about that, we we're, we're passionate about that really wouldn't work and work, we'll probably make the same decision and take it, take another risk again. It hasn't really put us off trying new things or anything like that.
0: That's like my favorite answer of all time. Um, like everything you just <laughs> Good, said. You. Like I, I love that. No, I, it's, it's so important to frame like things that don't go the way that you expect as like, an opportunity to learn and not necessarily like good or bad or or something that you should regret sometimes it's just like well, it didn't work it's everything everything you just said was amazing uh so, but i do not i i definitely am still curious and i didn't want to lose this because oh yeah yeah so when it comes to new forms of media like like for example and this is i think the most obvious visual challenge like when vertical video started to become a really primary and necessary part of everybody's distribution process and most of what we do is in widescreen, you know, like like those sort of changes, what was your approach for that?
1: Yeah, um, I think for us, hmm. That's a good, I mean, it's a good question. I don't know if I have <laughs> an easy, immediate answer for it. I'm trying to think. I mean, I think generally with any new technology or, you know, expectation from viewers whatever it may be um, when something changes about the way people want you to deliver your content or to produce events it's always I think our first questions is you know kind of like a, a like, why should we do this like what mm. what is the reason for this is this going to be sticking around is this just like it going to be a short term fad that we're going to you know invest money into some new technology to do this or create a completely you know new workflow and then a few weeks later it's not going to be needed so I think for us we're trying not to be too i think reactive in general when it comes to anything new that comes out we want to kind of i know i think we can be at times a bit like let's sit back wait and see and you know we're not looking to be the first movers when um you know new technology comes out or um something changes in the scene um i yeah i think for us it's just like let's wait and see do our research and see what others are doing. i think there is definitely a I think a bit of a philosophy for us that we kind of iterate on what we see other players in the scene are doing and try and, you know do something that we see yeah. other people being successful with and do it maybe in a in our own unique voice. Like we, put, we want to put our voice onto um something other people are doing successfully and kind of iterate on that.
0: Yeah. No, I I love I love that approach, right? The we when it comes to the content creation side of things, everybody rushes around so much because it's you're really um at least, at least from the non esports side of you know making content, where where there's your edge is like how current you are or like what silly things you're producing and things like that. You have to be right up against the bleeding edge, and it's almost a ness nece- a necessity to over invest into like these new things when they're coming out. Because if like you over invest into the right one and it blows up, like congratulations, you're you're like number five person on TikTok, and like yeah. hooray, right? Like so that so there was almost this pull um to constantly be chasing that stuff down and it's it's interesting to me that because I didn't used to uh, I'll I'll preface it with this I didn't used to understand why larger companies didn't do that as well now uh that we've grown our company and I, I begin to realize you know How many hands have to touch something before like it goes out the door or if you're trying to produce high quality media like when it's you in your room super easy you know your process you know what you're doing you can crank that out whatever but once you start including like multiple individuals that are doing editing or you know gathering stats or doing copywriting and things like that you can't really say okay everybody guess what we're going to, we're just going to start doing all of this on five new platforms that you have never heard about. And we need our first post going out tomorrow. Like that won't happen.
1: Yeah. I think you're totally right. On an individual level, you can do that. Like I think for individual content creators, they're always the ones who are making the biggest leaps and bounds with new technology, new platforms. Um, you know, as soon as you have the kind of red tape, you mentioned, like, you know, that's where, you know, I don't think a company like a Beyond the Summit or a tournament organizer or even a gaming company like, you know, a Rare Drop is going to be getting those super viral TikTok moments. It's more like we create, I think we created a TikTok a few years ago because we're just like, well, TikTok's this big new craze. It's been, it's proven itself. It lived the, you know, initial fad. Like we yeah. should have a TikTok now. And even then it was like, well, we, we're doing this. We, you know, we get some people following it, but It's like we don't really need, it didn't really add any value to us mm. having this TikTok.
0: Yeah. That's the other, that's the other big question is what does this add additional value, like, on a company level? Which is, like... And then that really depends on, like, what you consider a great ROI for everybody's time, right? Like, more attention might be perfect for one thing, but not necessarily the best thing Um, for another when you're, like, you know, oh, no, we need to sell, you know, tickets for this. Uh, That's... Yeah. Yeah, no, I really... I just I love your perspective on things, man. It's it's really really awesome.
1: uh So maybe outdated. I you know coming I from know. a esports side compared to the gaming streamer, you know, mm. where like I feel like a boomer at times, where and you know, I see all these young Twitch streamers. They like uh, you know they're on their TikToks and all the new platforms. I'm like, you know, I'm we just use Twitter. <laughs> With Twitter, yeah, that's like I, the only platform we're active on. <laughs> I think that you know I.
0: I definitely felt like when I, when I started streaming, I was like, I am never going to be as cool as these esports people. Like they're really cool. <laughs> so I definitely, I, I definitely don't feel like it's like uh Oh, I'm just old and old fashioned. I feel like it's, you know, you're, you're, you're pioneering something. Right. And, and I think that there is, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but there, you know, gaming got a lot of attention and then, uh, after it got a lot of attention, a bunch of people tried to just kind of move into the space and start propping up businesses the way that it works in other verticals. And that's had a lot of really negative outcomes. You know, people who show up and they're like, oh, you know, here's our affiliate marketing, whatever. And then it just like blankets the space. And then, it, it, you know, you end up with like an overall, you know, devaluation of the way that we have the attention, the like, transaction happening for marketing in gaming and so there's a lot of there's you know there was a lot of really interesting things that happened as gaming was growing uh but and a lot of that was very like uh and i guess this is from my experience making content over the past decade but it it all felt very much like oh well as long as i'm as long as i'm making money as long you know i'm fine uh and uh you know the it's nice it's nice to hear about you know professionalism as an expectation which is kind of that's been you've been talking like that the entire time um but then having the understanding that like there is an appropriate way to approach all of these things and it isn't necessarily just careening through trying to get as much attention as possible all the time sometimes it you we we need to be thoughtful and take moments to really decide like what do we want to do what do we want to say um and just make sure that we are continuing to make the gaming space the kind of place that we all want to be around all the time and make it, and make it, this is a big one for me, make it easy for people who are trying to make the space better to succeed.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's um, a really good point because I think we've seen at least, I don't know, I mean, in the general gaming scene, but like I've seen in several of the esports we're running events for in Dota and Smash the last year or two, there's been, you know, a lot more awareness for some of the bad behavior that's kind of just being tolerated and accepted. It's like you know, that's just, just gaming behavior. You know, that's yeah. the fact that you know, heated gamer moment is a meme is, is kind of telling you know, like that's... Yeah. It's, it's it's very like a, bothersome. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like it it's it's kind of just like downplaying what is like actually you no, know, that's like. You know, that's not okay. That's a serious, serious. And, you know, that's, that's racism. You know, that, that yeah, has no place yeah, in I mean, no, game. It has no place exactly. in eSports. It's not. If this was the the real world, that would come with punishment. If you're a CEO, you get fired. If you're in the yep. NBA, you get suspended, kicked off your team. You know, like there's, for some reason, because it's gaming, these real world consequences haven't caught up yet, but I think they are starting to the last year or two.
0: Yeah, I can, I mean, that was, yeah, that was the other side of the coin as well, right? Like there's. There's always been behavior that is like shockingly acceptable because it was like, oh, and I I think part of that, at least for me growing up, was the fact that like everybody always is like, oh, this is what a gamer is. They're like an ignorant, jerk, angry, loud asshole who has no social skills because that's that's how I got branded like my whole life. Um, And so there's this acceptance of people who act like that. And it's really it's really not okay like you said you know if a ceo acts like this they get fired if an employee were to you know pop off and be a racist at work they would be fired you know there's not there's not like a second there's not a second chance in the real world and i i I hope going forward that that the gaming world and the real world on a professional level start to resonate a lot better because i it's it is especially now that we're working more with people outside of the space it is it is uh Is jarring at times the uh, the the communication that you can be having with an outside organization. And then you you start to communicate inside the gaming space about one thing or another. And you're like, what the fuck? Like that's an you sent that email that you sent that email. Like, you know, like like uh, sometimes sometimes you you yeah, like it's it's tough. So it's it's for me, it's very heartening to hear. Um, that as you all were growing, that, that, that focus on professionalism and making sure that you're doing right by the people that you're working with, by the communities that you're working with and making sure that you're, you're running events that everyone can be proud of is it's like a really big deal. Um, because there were a lot of other folks that didn't try to do things that way. Um, maybe not necessarily with events, but when it comes to, when it comes to the gaming space, it was just sort of like, Oh, I'll just do whatever I want um because there's a different set of rules here on the internet um so yeah i don't know thank you
1: <laughs> for oh. being
0: for being like that um you know your entire career and with what i mean i mean i
1: also say to be I, to be fair and to not misrepresent who we are and what we've done we, we've never been perfect as well i think we've made a lot of mistakes in this space and we've let a lot of bad behavior like we would never engage in or be like a Kind of a source of it, but mm. often we kind of ignored it for this, you know, the sake of you know, we just want to put the best content out there. So we, I think it's more been a recent thing for us that we feel, you know, enough is enough. Um, which is okay, maybe that's probably a bad way of phrasing it, but I think there's been times where we were passive bystanders, um, especially yeah. the Dota scene is a very toxic community. Um, it has a pretty bad reputation, um, and I think that's something where you know we've been at fault for not, you know, standing up and doing the right thing in the past. So I, I do feel like you know what what you're how you're describing it hasn't always been the case certainly
0: well i yeah i i i believe all of us have have absolutely made have room to improve and i think we've all made mistakes or stood by um when we shouldn't have i'm definitely guilty of that personally myself um but i do think that it's important i think it's important to highlight when when the goal is to continuously improve along that line and and the ability to say something like you just said that like I wish we would have spoken out sooner. Clearly we we should have participated in these things a different way. I think that's, that's important because that's how we change is accepting like, Oh, we fucked up um, and we can do better. And then the action, right? I think that's the, that's the big thing for me that, that most people get tripped up on the follow through They'll say the right thing or they'll do the right thing, and then there won't be processes implemented. There won't be a continued conversation. Like, you took a moment to highlight and make sure that everybody knew that about what you were building and how you felt and all of that. And I I think all of that is important progress. I think it's important for us to highlight places where we've come short um, because it's, it's the places that we have the opportunity to improve and grow. And I think it's been, for me, been very fantastic over the past few years to see the gaming space finally start to open up and speak out about all of this incredibly negative behavior that's just sort of been been allowed to exist um especially now um when uh you know the whole world's a mess (laughs) and many of us are trapped inside uh or you know staying inside to, to keep ourselves and others safe would be a better way to put it the um the immense value of of treating each other with decency online has never really been so much more obviously needed and so you know thank you for for highlighting that and and you know being open because I think that's I think that's kick ass and i'm I'm excited to see uh not just from you but but from everybody in the gaming space where we go from here because it's been you know we've had a lot of we, and we are still all learning and having some really important conversations about how okay like it's time to grow up stop this shit yeah um and it's it's a good time of growth that's that's the other thing that I actually wanted to to bring in because charity is my passion for stuff like that's that's how I got started with streaming I got involved because I was really big fan of awesome games done quick and I wanted to try and get a speed run in and like try and help raise money to fight cancer and all of this other stuff and, and like do good with gaming. What, what has your experience been uh, working with creators, working with these tournaments and, and sort of seeing the space grow? Um, what have been some, have you had any really cool experiences with charitable organizations in the space, or have you had the opportunity to do something that you, you kind of didn't expect?
1: Um, I think as a company, I mean, firstly, you yeah. get BTS has not... Um, we've we, we've worked with a couple charitable organizations. Um, we did one event with the League of Legends community, um, but I would say it's never been a big uh, pillar of what we do to be totally upfront about it. I think for us, um, our focus has more been about connecting directly to the fans through our content. Mm. Um, but we, I'd say, we're always remain open to what we can do in the charity space. I think it's, it's always been a hard challenge for us is recognizing and kind of researching which partners which charities to work with um it's tough (laughs) yeah uh, as yeah as you would probably know better than anyone um so i think we've kind of been of the mindset that um i think as an esports company we wanted to focus on the the tournament side of things which i think it's it was always hard for us to find that crossover between charity and tournaments um i think it's still hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's, that there
0: is no solution to that problem yet we're still trying to figure yeah it out. um I, th-
1: I think it's hard because for for companies like a bts or you know a, let, let's say like an esl dream hack yeah. you're not really influences the same way um a streamer on twitch is i think you know you go back five plus years turn them like your the top commentators you kind of mentioned how you know esports was like you people looked at like looked at them in this like ooh, they're esports they were kind of the big you know the big dogs on twitch the commentators and the tournament organizers because nobody else knew how to market themselves i think nowadays um the basically the big twitch streamers and individuals are the ones who have that ability to mobilize their audience to really activate them to support a charity and i feel like the the charities that we've worked with um we've worked we had one of them actually work with us on one of our recent do- online Dota turns. we did you know they didn't they they we, we weren't able to actually be that successful raising money for them is that the honest truth and i think a big part of it is people tune into our content just you know watching a tournament so mm. when we we're trying to get them to you know spread awareness and donate money to this cause it was actually a bit of a challenge for us um yeah. So i think we've kind of we've kind of stayed away i mean i'd be curious to hear your thoughts as like with rare drop about how you've had what, what you've kind of How have you been successful when it comes to charity events?
0: Well, you, I mean, you, you identified the, the, the big key factor, right? Like the problem is that when you, when you have somebody with a strong relationship with their audience, it's very easy in a not like in a non-tournament environment to have like deep conversations about why this charity is personally meaningful. And that is what ends up driving a lot of fundraising. Right. But in a tournament environment, um, it's a lot like a live sporting event. Like it's a great place to put, information and marketing if you're trying to get people to just kind of see that you exist. But if you're looking for individuals to take action, like they're already they're already involved in the action, right? Like they're they're sitting there watching the tournament, they're deeply engaged. They're like, oh I have all yeah. this stuff I need to do. Um and and yeah, it's difficult. I mean for us it's been finding creators that are incredibly passionate about the charities that that we work with. Um one of the big operating factors that we do when we work with charities is it's very much about like we want to get people ready because i think that the reason our relationship with St Jude went so well when we started fundraising with GCX is because they were ready to accept the gaming space so like they were already they were already working with like Tiltify they, you know they already had a charity partner they were they were set up they they knew the space they had the systems and so it was really just kind of plugging in and learning together about like how we can make this better but if you're coming in as an organization that knows nothing there's so much stuff that you have to do before it is like okay let's talk to content creators because if you talk to if you start networking and reaching out to content creators and it's like hey would you like to fundraise for us awesome can you send me your tiltify link and like maybe a one-pager about what you do and like your charity navigator thing whatever like and that's if somebody is being like super professional and following up with you um But if you don't have those things, like it's no dice. Like you can't, you can't operate. Like you can't expect a broadcaster to just kind of do all of the hard work for you, like set up your alerts, set up your Tiltify page, and all this other stuff. Let alone rebrand and recontextualize whatever your message might be into you know the right format for this new audience that you're talking to. So so for us, it's very much about finding helping the charities be ready. So getting them set up, getting them like branding and assets and educating them about like milestones and incentives and things like that. And then it's, and then it's helping them find the people that connect with their message. The cool thing about streaming in particular, and, and I guess any kind of online content creation is that there's, there's an element of, of personality attached to everything that you do. So every in its I guess ultimately her goal is to make it super easy to work with any charity that that we're working with so that all you have to do is go like, oh, my God, I totally want to end homelessness. That sounds awesome. Like, where do I sign up? Um, So what we do for them is a lot like what you do. It's all a lot of production and management and, and helping helping teach some of these community cultivation best practices like some of these organizations have never heard of discord before or whatever your server is and and they're like how do you communicate with all these people and you're like let me introduce you to this program and it's like a mind-blowing experience was like yeah that's right you can get you can get thousands of people in here and you can make sure that they all see everything that you you write and you can do announcements and and things like that and so having all that ready so that when it comes time for the person who's fundraising it's just show up and do the best show possible and then by doing and then you know, you end up raising millions of dollars because folks folks like to have fun and you can yeah. incentivize them. And this is the difficult part too. I can think of about a hundred ways that I could make a tournament infinitely more interesting with donations, but then it loses its, then it loses the nature of itself, which is being competitive and fair, right? Like you could plug in, you could set up two, two <laughs> Dota 2 teams against each other and, you know, plug in a Twitch extension that allows folks to mess with the game, but then it's not, really a competitive event anymore so it's it's tough
1: yeah it, it's definitely this crossover that you know the, the whole voice of being a competitive tournament changes once it feels like you know you you bring in that charity component which you know is hard for us because we've wanted to do it like we've worked with you know humane society we created like some video ads for them but when it came to introducing a charity involvement to a tournament this was just like a very small online tournament almost like an experiment we did it just it was hard because p- most people are there just because they see this as here's a competition between some of the best teams in this region they want to mm. watch they're not there to be um you know sold on this this charity stuff and that changes the whole vo- vo- voice of the term which is unfortunate because you know most most of our viewers people beyond the summit want to do something charity related it just doesn't have much crossover to out out place in the scene
0: yeah it's it's a yeah, because people are showing up and expecting one thing. It's a tough. Uh, it is a. It is a tough. It is a tough conundrum. I'm. Yeah, one day, one day we'll figure it out, and it'll be like, oh man, it was so easy, because yeah. uh, that's that's how solutions, uh, that's how solutions always end up at the end of the day. You're like, oh yeah, oh well, I should have thought of that before. That was easy. Um, when it comes to tech, so. We're, we're, we're coming up on the end of our time here. So I just sort of wanted to, I wanted to ask you like one, one more question. And that would be uh, for anybody who's looking to get into any of it that you does, would any of this that you do. So whether that's, you know, commentating, whether that's event production or any of the things that are, that are sort of attached to that, you know, what was your journey like to all of those things? Um, and what would, what would be, you know, some things that you would instruct other folks to look out for if they were going to walk the same path?
1: Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, my, my journey is probably very different to what I think journey is today, just because of how the scene has probably changed in the last seven, eight years. But I think the biggest thing I still, whenever talking to someone who wants to get into gaming esports, um, whether it's commentating or production behind the scenes work is, um, you know, understanding that. It's not something that's going to be super super glamorous from the outside thinking, you know, hearing, oh, you work in gaming. That's amazing. You know, it's it's hard work. It's a lot of hours. Um, There is an element of, you know, sometimes needing to grind. But as far as making yourself um, skilled and talented, someone that people want to work with, it's just, I would say, figuring out kind of what your niche is going to be. Because I think... Um a lot of people just have this idea I want to work in gaming well, it's like well what do you want to do um because the skills you need to do let's say content video editing um is very different to what you need to do if you want to be a streamer if you want to be a broadcaster um compared to if you want to be working in like project management like there there's so many things like you know you could go on a website for a, let's say a big company like a whether it's well maybe I was going to say Blizzard. Maybe that's a bad example, yeah. but um, given their unfortunately <laughs> yes. laying lay people up, but go, on, go on a company that's hiring and yeah. see what jobs they have posted. See what jobs are there and think, you know, which of these would I enjoy doing at this company? Like I want to work for this company, but and there's a lot of jobs that most companies are hiring for on any given day. And um, figure out what you think you'd be well suited at. Try and expand your skills in that area. Understand how these companies work as far as which teams and what you know kind of structure is there. Um, I think for the most part that's probably the best thing anyone could do is just understand how these companies operate what their needs are what they're looking to hire for um and trying to learn and pick up those skills
0: that was such good advice (laughs) that was i mean that's that's really like that's that's really solid there's so many places to plug into the gaming space now that like it's it really is like go to the job board and see like which one of these these infinite things you need to specialize in to get your your ticket through the door yeah. because even even on the content creation side most folks that i chat with everybody started with like one game one community or like one message board about like one game or game type and then from from that like really deep knowledge the you know they garnered the attention when they started streaming or making youtube content that got them them started so finding that place where you really succeed is, is like super key. And I really appreciate that. Um, Thank you so much for, for joining me today and, and taking some time out of your, your busy schedule to, to talk about putting together events and, and uh, you know what it was like building a company that was unique and some, one of the first of its kind um, in this space. I've, I've certainly learned a lot and it's been uh, it's been incredible chatting with you do you this is the moment in the show where if you have anything going on that you are looking to promote or advocate for or talk about whatever you want uh the the floor is yours and then I will uh, I'll I'll bring us on home
1: oh thank you um it's been a pleasure having a chat with you learning a bit about what you're doing over there with rare drop and um sharing some ideas um nothing really to promote i you know Check out, I guess, Beyond the Summoner all our socials. If you're interested in the events we have coming up, we run tournaments for Dota, Smash, CSGO, Rocket League, um, looking at other games. If there's games you want to see us get into, let us know. Um, and I guess, related to the discussion we had today, just be kind to each other. Be kind to people online, even if you don't know them. You never know what people are going through, so just, yeah, be kind to each other.
0: Goddamn right. Uh <laughs> And I am, uh, I am Ben, Professor Broman. Thank you so much for uh, listening today, joining us on Twitch or listening later. I appreciate it. If you want to rate or subscribe, that's cool. But more importantly for me is, uh, you know, if you found the discussion helpful today, please share it with somebody that you thought about uh, so that we can all kind of work together and make the, make the world a better place and, and educate each other. Because that's, that's, that's what I want. That's what I would like for you to do. So thank you for doing that. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye, everybody.